Yeah, being an entrepreneur is not easy. It's a lot of really hard work. It's a lot of really late nights, um, at least for the first year or maybe a couple years, depending on your situation. Um, but if you do the best best you can, do you know work hard, do a good job, and you're honest and you treat people well. At the end of the day, I think that uh, you know I think that you're on the right path, and there is success ahead for you. Welcome back to Ratchet and Wrench Radio, strategies and inspiration for auto care success. I'm your host, Chris Jones, where today my guest is Jesse Sammons of Thoroughbred Motors in Ramona, California. Jesse has been in the game for many years as a technician before owning his own shop just a few years ago. Today, Jesse's going to share some of his experiences as a technician turned shop owner, uh, some of the things that he's learned along the way as a technician that he's brought into his shop from his experiences, some of the things that he's seen as a technician that he wants to change in the industry now that he is a shop owner, and some of the growing pains that's made him a better man, a better shop owner, and someone who really wants to leave a big impact in the auto repair industry. So here's Jesse. Well, welcome to uh, Ratchet and Wrench Radio, Jesse. Thank you for having me, sir. Yeah, so you're the owner of uh, Thoroughbred Motors in Rabona, California. Does that put you, what, about half hour outside of San Diego proper? Yeah, uh, somewhat, I guess, depends on what you consider the uh, downtown area. We're about 45, 50 minutes from. We're uh, we're up in the mountains up above them. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a really nice area. Um, one of the beautiful things here, at least for being a shop owner and working on cars, is uh, the lack of rust. This <laughs> 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 is a nice thing. But, uh, but yeah, that's another thing that uh, really affects the area here and has been one thing that's helped, helped me out a lot um, starting in the area I have. Being up in this smaller town outside the city, a lot of the work and a lot of the jobs are down in the city. So we have a really large amount of people that live in the area, but they're, you know, most of them are commuting long distances all the time. So that's been, um, you know, that's been a good opportunity for me to build a customer base, you know. Yeah, I was going to say that's probably very beneficial if you have commuters because that means, you know, more opportunities to work on vehicles. Yes, sir. Absolutely. People, uh, I think around here, a lot of the, a lot of my customers average fifteen to 20,000 miles a year on their car, some of them more than that. Wow. Okay. So, all right. So tell us about your staff. Like, how large is the staff? So currently, I have uh, three technicians and then uh, I am... And the uh, service at the service desk. So I'm the owner operator at the moment doing all the service writing, et cetera. Um, I've got uh, one lead technician and then two techs, um, two other guys. I'd say they're both around a, you know, mix of a BC level. Um, and uh, we're actually hiring an apprentice next week to start to and start training him. So that's, uh, that's where things are at currently for us. That's pretty exciting. Where's the apprentice coming from? Is that from a tech school or? No, actually, um, I'm going to put him through an apprenticeship program. I recently, um, I was referred to look into the Napa apprenticeship program and reading through their documentation and the whole system. Uh, they have a lot of material to go through. Um, they have a whole, you know, process that's somewhat simple to follow and it looks like a really good system. Uh, his only experience is working in a local lube shop, uh, for a while. That's, you know, being in a smaller town, most of the the guys I have, I all found them through word of mouth. And then same thing with this guy. It's uh, I know his dad. I know he grew up in a good family. So I'm excited to bring him on and I hope he learns. Awesome, man. So uh, how large is the shop that you own? How many square feet? So the uh, inside of the shop is about 4,000 square feet right now. Um, we currently have four lifts in there. Um, so 
I'm hoping to be able to fit two more. I think if I plan it out right, I can fit two more and have a total of six inside. And then uh, we do have some outside area that I think we could put a cover on and, and uh, expand into eventually if we need it. So that's really nice to have options and room to grow into. Ah, very nice. So let's talk. So let's talk about, you know, you being a shop owner. So you started your shop in November of 2020. Uh, what was it like opening up in that COVID environment? Did you have any challenges with that? Or was it just the time right? And you just went for it? Yeah, I mean, I think the time was right. I'll tell you what happened is uh, I had been planning roughly and um, on doing this for about a year before I started. I didn't really start laying any groundwork out until about six months before, which is right around the time COVID hit because I opened in November of 2020. Um, so right when everything went down and happened, I had, uh, I was still working, you know, at a, at an independent shop. Um, and you know, it was kind of worrisome at first and me and my old boss there, um, where I was working, you know, we were both kind of looking around wondering what was going to happen. I'm thinking, man, nobody's going to be driving if they're locking everything down, like, you know, what's going to happen and how long is this going to last too? Um, but for us, we slowed down for about one week and from then on, business kept picking up and we kept getting more and more work coming through the door and we never were slow. It was like literally one week after COVID hit that it slowed down and then that was it. And we, you know, at least looking around this area, um, I saw and I knew of a few shops that closed down, but they weren't really shops that were doing all that great beforehand anyway. And it seemed like everybody that did good work and was honest and you know, was taking good care of people was staying busy. So that made me feel comfortable enough and confident enough to step out and give it a shot. All right. And so um, well, tell us a little bit about your background, like uh, your background in automotive. Like, where did you come from prior to starting your own shop? So uh, I've only worked in independent shops um, and I did work. I started as I actually started out um, working for a fleet. So growing up, I always had a hobby working on cars. Um, I had a lot of different hobbies, with a lot of different things I used to do. But uh, out of high school, um, I always did construction, side work, and to get extra money getting through school and whatever else. But uh, I actually initially went into doing IT work. It was a strange, uh, long story we don't need to get into now, but I started out working for a, an ambulance company doing IT work for them. And through a weird set of circumstances, I ended up getting dragged into working on the ambulances as well. And over time, I ended up leaving that company. But when I left, I decided I would rather be wrenching and working in a shop environment than going back into the IT and office world. So uh, from there, I worked in a few different independent shops and looking around, I kind of you know, looking around and seeing, trying to learn as much as I could from previous bosses or other shops I worked for, how to do things, how not to do things. I looked around and kind of realized, you know, I think I could do this. And uh, I think I can, you know, I was foolish enough to think it was going to be easy, but, <laughs> you know, I was like, I think I can do this. And I think I can do, I think I can do it better than, you know, they are at least in certain areas. And, uh, yeah, I just, the ultimate reason, the biggest reason I really chose to start my own shop, honestly, is because no matter where I worked or who I worked with, whether it was a good environment or a bad environment, at least for me living in Southern California for how expensive everything is, I really did not see a good path or future for myself working for somebody else. Um, you know, the truth is I felt that way, you know, working at the last shop that I worked at before I started here, I still have a very good relationship with my old boss from there. We're good friends, but you know, if I stayed working for him, Long-term, it just wasn't going to give me the future that I wanted. And uh, I wanted to start a shop 
and my goal was never to start and stay as a one-man band. Um, you know, it started a little over two years ago, and we got three guys now. So I'm, I'm really excited and really grateful that things have gone as well as they have and that I have a, a team of guys that work hard and have a good attitude. But my point is I, I wanted to start a shop that took good care of our customers like I used to at the last shop. But I figured there had to be a way for me to also do that and take good care of the employees and technicians and provide them a path to the future that I didn't have. Because I figured, you know, I'm not the only one that felt that way or feels that way. Looking around, I didn't know of any other shops I could have gone to where things would have been much better. I figured, well, I'm, you know, when I may make it or I may not, but I'm going to try and go start my own and try and build a ladder that other people can climb, you know, if that makes sense. No, it absolutely does. And you said a lot of really great things there. And I want to unpack all these if we can. Um, first things first, you talked about wanting to not replicate the mistakes of your previous bosses. What were some of the challenges that you faced in the shops that you were working at prior to opening <laughs> your own? I'll give uh, I'll give one example from the first place I worked. So like I mentioned, I started out that ambulance uh, company working for a fleet there. Um, after I left that and I went into the independent world, um, my only experience was literally, you know, working on the ambulances. I knew those Ford V10s really well, and I knew the six liter diesels a little bit. Other than that, my only previous experience, at least professional, you know, well, sorry, non-professionally was me working on my own stuff and friends and neighbors' cars and whatever. And one of the biggest things I ran into immediately when I left the ambulance company and started at an independent shop was going in there being told promises of, oh, we'll teach you this, we'll train you, you know, this is a great place to work, yada, yada. But you get in there and the first week went really well. they like, hey, you got a good you know, attitude. We can tell by the work you're doing that you care, you're very clean, you're organized and you're doing a good job, but we'll need you to get faster and we'll, you know, whatever. It sounded good for the first week or two. And then slowly, the longer I was there, it became more, much more apparent that uh, their attitudes were not in the right place. There was a very, it was a, overall a very, you know, very grumpy, grungy attitude or nobody was ever in a good mood. And there was no way, there was no way they were ever going to bother or put the time in to actually train or help, you know, help me learn. And it, it became very quickly of any time I came and asked for help, there's some little thing I didn't know how to do, or there's something I didn't know about, or I was having trouble diagnosing a car. You know, they always had the attitude of, oh, you should already know that. Or, you know, they had the attitude of, oh yeah, I know, well, go figure it out, you know. But then at the same time, they come and get mad at you because you're taking too long. Um, there's, you know, that didn't make sense to me. Uh, I didn't end up lasting very long there. That was actually one of the only jobs I ever have gotten let go from in my life. <laughs> but he came out and he told me, he came out and he, when he let me go, he was, he's, you know, he seemed very sincere and said he felt bad about it, but he said he couldn't afford to keep me because I wasn't producing enough. At the end of the day, that kind of really opened my eyes and made me realize, I was like, man, if I'm here, you know, I might not be an expert, but I know I'm getting work done and I know I'm working hard if they can't cheat, at least teach me or train me to where I'm making money for them, something ain't right. Looking back later, um, you know, I realized his labor rate was extremely low and he was trying to be both the best shop in town and the cheapest shop in town at, at the same time. And there's no way that those two things are going to be able to coincide with each other. You know, that's one lesson I learned. I, I never, I never want to make anybody feel the same way that I felt working for him because literally after a, after a couple months, it got to the point where every single day, I just, my blood pressure was through the roof. I was waiting for someone to get mad and start throwing wrenches, even if it wasn't something I did, you know, I was just waiting for the next person to blow up or get mad over whatever stupid thing it was. And, uh, you know, I try and there's, there's lessons I learned and uh, good lessons I learned from them, bad ones, but a lot of, you know, for me at least there's a lot of bad ones from that one. So, you know, 
want to make sure that I don't, I don't want an environment like that. I want to provide an environment where everybody comes and feels welcome. Everybody actually gets along and uh, people have a good attitude because it shows in your work as well. Um, and it shows in your efficiency as well. If you come in, you're having a bad day and things are negative or people are talking down to you all the time and you're uh, lacking confidence, you're going to make more mistakes. You're going to miss more stuff. You're not going to work as quickly or as efficiently if you're feel- as if you're feeling good and you know that the people that you're working with actually care and you know that the people you're working for actually support you. Um, so that's a lesson I took from working for that place, at least as far as the you know learning from the negative lessons goes. Right. You know, you mentioned there were some things that were unexpectedly, I guess, difficult of becoming, you know, in becoming a shop owner. What was something that you thought might have been easy that's turned out to be harder than it looked? Oh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> how did dealing with uh, dealing with customers that and, the, and managing their expectations properly? Um, I realized, you know, I. I was not good and it took me, I'm not perfect still, but it took me a long time to realize that a lot of the time I was stressed out, it was my fault because I was either, you know, I was under a time constraint or I was stressed out because I felt bad because the job ended up getting more expensive than we initially thought it was going to be. Uh, whatever it is, um, managing the stress of dealing with dealing with clients and setting expectations is something that I made a lot of mistakes on early. I was not, I was not, uh, properly qualifying them before they came in through the door. And I was not properly laying the groundwork for exactly what to expect with things. Um, I'm really grateful that, you know, over the last couple of years, I've been able to find, uh, I've done the best I can to learn from my own mistakes and look around from others, but also I've, you know, been lucky enough to find, uh, other shop owners groups like, you know, on Facebook and other places and learn from other people, um, that have made a lot of the same mistakes as me. So, yeah, I don't, I would say that's probably the biggest one that, and, and also just realizing how fast money goes, you know, even before you had any employees, it was so, so easy for me to look at a job and see how much money I was making on the job. And I never once since I opened the doors have had a, a day where we had no work, but it's amazing still, even if you have work constantly coming through how <laughs> you might not be able to keep any of that money, you know? Yeah. Cost of operations, man. It's uh, it's something. Yes, it is. All right, so here's the biggie, you know, we, we see technicians go from tech to entrepreneur, and sometimes that's a rough road for a while. Has it been easy for you to go from technician to entrepreneur, or is it, st- is it still kind of a little bumpy for you right now? It's, uh, I would say, if I'm going to be honest, it's still bumpy. I'm still growing. I'm still learning. Um, I don't anticipate that that is going to change anytime soon, honestly. Uh, my goal is to keep, uh, to keep growing if possible and keep learning and keep getting better. Um, that being said, yeah, it's very difficult starting out uh, as an entrepreneur going from being a tech to being a shop owner. Um, initially, when you first start out, if you're going, I mean, and people start shops for diff- in, uh, coming from different backgrounds, but if you're a technician starting a, a shop, many of us, I think, make the same exact mistakes as each other. And uh, it is very easy for us to approach jobs and already have an idea in our head of, what it should cost or what it should be. And then we focus on getting that car fixed. And at the end of the day, we're not very good at running a business properly and realizing how much all the overhead it adds up to. That's kind of leads back to what I was mentioning before about how much things cost and me, you know, struggling with that. Um, on the last question you asked is, you know, I, um, 
Yeah, being an entrepreneur is not easy. It's a lot of really hard work. It's a lot of really late nights, um, at least for the first year or maybe a couple years, depending on your situation. But if you do the best best you can, do you know work hard, do a good job, and you're honest and you treat people well. At the end of the day, I think that uh, you know I think that you're on the right path, and there is success ahead for you. And something else you mentioned was the idea of just wanting to know that your boss cared about you, you know, cared about the work, cared about you, cared about just things that mattered. How have you implemented that culture into your shop, you know, coming from a place where you felt like that wasn't provided for you? How have you supported your techs and your staff uh, by providing training, by creating a nurturing environment? Like, what have you done? Well, um, one thing that I'm doing is every, uh, for right now, at least every single Wednesday, we stay, and I, well, for the first part is the, the training portion. I, and, I, and I also, uh, I, I talk to all of them a lot. I'm very open. I'm very honest with them. But uh, getting back to the Wednesday thing, every Wednesday, we all stay an hour late, and they all are getting paid an hour of overtime to stay late. And we, you know, watch training videos. A lot of times it's scanner danner videos. Um, sometimes it's other forms of training that I've uh, found or gotten access to. But we go through that. And then uh, me and the lead tech will also, you know, we'll sit there and talk about it and talk to the guys if they have any other two guys, if they have any questions, trying to answer and explain things in the training if necessary. Um, that's, that's one thing that I try and do. Um, Every Monday morning, um, you know, before we start, I ask them to be there 15 minutes early. And once again, clock in. I'm not asking anybody to stick around and be there for free. Um, but try and get them there 15, 20 minutes early. And uh, I do the best I can over the weekend to make sure that I have, um, you know, at least have something prepared or have certain point, certain uh, things that I know I want to talk about or discuss with them. And uh, I try and give them a meeting, let them know how things went the last week, um, how we're doing well. Um, maybe a few things that we need to work on. And I also try and lay out an expectation of how, you know, it looks like the next week's going to go and what we're looking at. Um, every Friday we uh, get together in the morning. Uh, we come early and meet at a local cafe in town and get breakfast before we go to the shop. Uh, that's something that I picked up from my last boss I worked for actually, which, you know, I mentioned a negatives that I learned from one of my earlier bosses, but the last one, he was, he was good about that portion of it. He was really caring and, and, uh, a really generous guy. And I decided when I went and started my own shop, I wanted to do the same thing he did. We always met, you know, for breakfast every Friday morning. Um, other than that, man, just treat them like people. Don't treat them like cattle or just numbers or, uh, you know, a robot that you expect to generate a certain amount of money. <laughs> you know, it's like they all have their own struggles. They have their ups and downs. And uh, so do the jobs coming in and out the door. It's not everything's going to always go perfectly. Um, there's days that come in and do great and there are jobs that go great. And there's times that we struggle, but I do the best I can to when there are struggles or even when there's, you know, if there's a warranty concern, or there's a comeback, you know, I never yell at them for any of that. It's, it's a, it's a discussion of, Hey, you know, what happened? We're going to go back in here and we're going to figure out together exactly what happened, what failed and why, and we're going to learn from it. Um, and so far I found that works well for me. Um, you know, working for other people to get mad when a mistake occurs, um, you know, or just treat you like, like I said, like a number that never went, that never sat well with me. And uh, I try to do things differently than that. And so from a purely customer service standpoint, kind of what's, what's your guys' philosophy on customer service and how do you guys, you know, show the customer that they're valued? 
Um, that's a good question. As far as showing them how they're valued, uh, to be honest, I know there's a lot of small things some shops do, like they'll send out thank you cards and stuff like that. I, those are things I'd like to do. But as of right now, I try and show the customers I care by A, obviously doing a good job and taking good care of their vehicles for them. Um, but I try to build customer relationships by by actually genuinely caring about them and their needs and treating them once again, like people I, I've seen service people that that are, you know, rude or standoffish. And uh, I try and build a relationship with each of the clients that come through the door. And um, what was I going to say? The other part is I get, um, I, I also do not try to sell anybody anything. I'm a firm believer in educating and presenting things to them and letting them decide what they want to do. Um, I'm not, I do not like being pushy and I do not like telling somebody that, you know, telling somebody what to do or what decision to make. If there's a safety concern on a car, that might be a little bit different. Um, I really stress to them how important it is. And, uh, yeah, um, you know, we give people rides if we can, um, we're going to be getting loaner cars soon. So not for, maybe not for everybody, but for, uh, clients that we trust and that we know, um, we know need it. It's something I'd really like to be able to offer them. Um, but yeah, I think that's a, a good topic that I probably should spend more time thinking about and delving into. Yeah. And so how about marketing? How are you guys promoting your shop? Like, are there, have you found anything that's particularly like great for you guys in terms of, you know, drawing clients in from a marketing standpoint? Um, probably nothing too crazy. Um, to be most of our work, about 90, 90% of the work that comes to the door is from word of mouth. And it's been that way from the beginning. But one thing I would say that has really helped uh, for us at least has been using just Facebook ads. Um, we do Google ads as well, and that generates some leads, but Facebook has worked really well, surprisingly. And it's, uh, it's amazing to me how often somebody will call, um, and I'll ask how they heard about me and they'll tell me that somebody referred them, but the reason they called is because they had heard of me before. And you ask enough questions and realize, oh, they had seen our name. They'd seen our faces. They'd seen the logo, you know, on Facebook a few times. So when somebody in conversation brings it up, it's like it was already imprinted in their mind. Um, and it made them feel comfortable enough to give us a chance and call. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Facebook advertising, you, you always wonder like, does it really work? You know, or how many people am I actually reaching? And then when you hear those stories, it's always kind of validating for you as a, as a business owner that the money I'm investing in this is actually like, you know, starting to return. Yeah, no, it it is. And, uh, you know, to be honest, it's not even that much money. It's like at the end of the day, you look at how much, uh, compare it to revenue. I, I don't, even if you're a one man shop spending, you know, a few hundred bucks to a thousand a month or so on, on, uh, advertising should not be that much. If you're a larger shop, you're probably spending a lot more than that. But I mean, even for me currently, I'm, I'm only spending about 400 bucks a month and it definitely, you know, it definitely works. Like I said, uh, I don't usually get a lot of calls straight from it, but it obviously isn't printing enough in people's heads that they call when they get referred. So. All right. And so so as far I'd, as say, I'd say that's worked well. Okay. So as far as like, you know, shop repairs, you do, you guys do a lot of, you know, you have a lot of services that you offer. One, one of the cool things is modification. Is that kind of sort of a West West coast thing where you guys do like the mods? I don't see that typically in some of the East coast shops where, where I'm located. Yeah, I think it is a little bit different on the East coast and the West coast. And, um, on the, on the West coast, <laughs> there is, and as amazing as it is, how uh, restrictive California is, especially when it comes to emission stuff, there is still a very large car culture here. Um, another thing, we are also being um, east and north of San Diego up in the mountains. We're very close to the desert. Um, so a lot of, we actually do get, when it comes to modifications, most of the time it's trucks and Jeeps and stuff like that, that we're doing things on for going off-roading, you know, lift kits, lights, bumpers, winches, stuff like that. 
Okay. I wouldn't that's... say that's a major, you know, that's not one a major portion of the business. It's probably less than 5%, but, but it, you know, it is something that happens often enough. And once the winter time and desert season rolls around, we definitely see waves of it that come and go and then, you know, nothing for a few months and then a, <laughs> and the kind of wave comes again. Right. And so I guess, you know, being in California, the big question is, you know, where are you guys at with like electrification or with like ADOS, that sort of thing? Have you guys started moving in that direction? So that's definitely something that um, that I'm kind of concerned about for the future. Um, not worried, but it's on my radar. Um, but as of right now, I am lucky in the fact that even though we're in California, uh, we're in a smaller town that's away from the city in a more rural area. So a lot of the vehicles here are a little bit older. Uh, things tend to take a little bit longer to get around to getting up here. Um, there are some electric cars, but I really rarely see them around town. Uh, I think that that's something that we're going to probably have to start looking at and it'll be a bigger deal for us in the next three to five years, maybe, but at least for us, where we are currently, it's not really something that comes up. We never really get calls about electric cars. I get calls about hybrids pretty often and we do work on hybrids. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm lucky in the fact that being where we are, it'll give me and buy me a little bit of time to look around, see which direction the wind's blowing and, uh, take the opportunity to learn and get whatever information I can. And then I can make a plan on how to move forward on that. All right. And so what's next for you? Like, what do you, like, what do you plan on doing, you know, next with the shop? I know you got the apprentice coming, anything else, like any other big plans with the shop? In the, in the foreseeable yeah. Future? Um, yeah. And I somewhat um, realistically speaking, um, we're so busy with work. We have enough room for another, you know, a tech here, but I do not have the ability or the time being the uh, only one in the office to keep up with them anymore. So, uh, we are starting the apprentice, but, uh, also in the next month or so, um, I'm looking to be hiring a CSR, um, like a customer service representative or, uh, potentially a service advisor. Uh, I looks like, uh, I have somebody that I have in mind, but either way, uh, my goal is to get more help in the office soon, Exp continue expanding the shop. So hopefully over the next few months, I'll have uh, more help in the office, another lift or two, and then we might be able to hire another technician on to keep up with the work. Awesome, man. It was great chatting with you today, Jesse. Oh, thank you very much, man. I appreciate it. It's been a, a wild ride, uh, <laughs> that's for sure. And it's kind of hard sometimes to answer the questions because like everything's been, uh, you know, it's been only just two years. It's everything. It's like everything happens so fast. You can barely keep up and keep your thoughts straight. But I'm just trying to hold on and keep moving the same direction we've been going. So there you go. I really appreciate the time and the opportunity to talk to you. And that's going to do it for us here today at Ratchet & Wrench Radio. Uh, I'd like to invite you to follow us on our social media channels on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, as well as subscribe to our email newsletter, which goes out daily. Uh, and you can find that at ratchetandwrench.com. That's R-A-T-C-H-E-T-A-N-D-W-R-E-N-C-H.com. And may the rest of your day be the best of your day. And we'll see you next week.